Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. You have found the most informative hour of sports radio you'll listen to all week long and the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in this week, and happy Father's Day weekend. In segment three, Michael Heestand. He's USA Today's sports TV columnist. He's going to join us to discuss the decline of sports on TV. Over the past few years, we've seen record low TV ratings from some of sports marquee events ranging from the World Series to the Stanley Cup Finals to the NBA Finals. Obviously, this has become a trend. We're going to discuss this with Michael in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense, Bill Sanders. He's the VP of Marketing for BDA Sports. Bill is responsible for negotiating endorsement and marketing deals for the likes of Houston Rocket Center Yao Ming, two-time NBA MVP Steve Nash of the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets star Carmelo Anthony, and now the probable number one pick in the June 28th NBA draft, Greg Oden. We'll chat with Sanders about the marketing potential for Oden as well as his efforts for Yao, Nash, and Mello in Segment 4. A couple of other notes, visit our new and improved website at sportsbusinessradio.com. We are podcasting. Listen to us on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined in studio this week by Nathan Roach. Nathan, big, big NASCAR news. We've talked about this with anticipation for a long time now, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. is on his way to Hendrick Motorsports. A lot of people are comparing this to the New York Yankees. They've got that heavy-hitting lineup. Now you've got Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Some people are saying he's not even the highest-paid driver in his own garage. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, look, we talk all the time in, in sports about the All-Star teams, and this is the All-Star team. i got to still say I'm a little depressed that he's leaving his father's company, the one his father founded. I feel like he should still be driving for him, but unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, He's going Hendrick Motorsports. Well, there's a lot of ramifications of this news. We're going to break all of those down in our next segment headlines. Also, we're going to give you the top-rated jersey sales in the NBA, individual and team. There's a change at the top. Dwayne Wade has been at the top for quite some time. Someone bumped him off. We'll tell you who that is during the final segment of today's shows. And, Nathan, you're going to have to step out for about 15, 20 seconds on this one. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Sopranos, and we're going to tell you how Tony and the Sopranos whacked the NBA Finals ratings. Oh, it was ugly for the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about that. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, we started discussing this before the break. Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced this week that he's going to join Hendrick Motorsports next season. Earnhardt is leaving DEI. The team his father founded. He's going to join other Hendrick drivers, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Casey Mears. Now, Hendrick's has been dominant on the NASCAR circuit this season. They've won 10 of 14 races. Nathan, I think this makes sense from all kinds of different angles, whether it's a money angle. But most importantly, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wants to leave a legacy in racing. He wants to win races. He wants to win a Nextel championship. And I think this gives him the best chance to do that. Well, I think it does too. But I wanna, I'm interested to see how the egos work out here. The same way the egos work out in baseball and basketball. How are the egos going to work out here? These are, these are three of the biggest names in driving. And they're all competing against each other. They're working as a team, but competing against each other. Now, there's a lot of facets to this. A lot of questions that still have to be answered. Kyle Busch is leaving Hendrick Motorsports. Reports say that Earnhardt could drive the number five Chevrolet that Busch currently drives. He could also get the number eight from DEI. We'll have to see how that shakes out. The biggest story here, though, sponsorship-wise, is Budweiser. Budweiser and uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. are as synonymous as Nike and Tiger Woods and Will they continue? That's a big question. Well, yeah, I mean, Budweiser's been paying about $20 million a year in order to uh, sponsor the Earnhardt car. And if Earnhardt breaks away from Budweiser, I, I compare this to Andre Agassi leaving Nike. They are so synonymous, just like you said. And that red car, I mean, is it, how's it going to look if Earnhardt's driving a white car? Now, let me throw some numbers here. Budweiser pays an estimated $307 million per year for advertising. So $20 million is a drop in the bucket for them. You would think they'd want to continue as the primary sponsor on the hood of Junior's car. And Hendricks does have a relationship from the 1990s with uh, Budweiser. Some of these companies and, and race teams are opposed to doing deals with alcohol companies. Hendrick is not one of them. Now, the other thing is, too, is don't be surprised if someone like Visa comes along and says, hey, we want to outbid Budweiser. We'll pay $25 million for that sponsorship. So the sponsorship, the primary hood sponsorship is going to be important. One last thing on this is that there are already four hood sponsors for the four cars in the Hendrick Motorsports Group. Lowe's, DuPont, Kellogg's, and National Guard, they pay 15 to $20 million annually. Each of them has a hood in the car, so one of those companies would have to be bumped for Budweiser Visa or a new sponsor to come into the mix. Well, yeah, and if you're Budweiser, you, you better hope that you can keep your foot in that door because, you know, Budweiser beer companies can't sponsor the NBA. They can't sponsor NFL or tennis players or such like that, so there's really only a small window of sports that they can sponsor, NASCAR being one of them. Last thing here, Earnhardt's likely switch from the number 8 car estimates have it that products are going to go for about a hundred million dollars this year people are going to try and grab on to the old number eight stuff they're going to buy the new stuff if he switches to number five we'll watch that carefully our next our next headline abc broadcast to 125 million homes in the united states well for game two of the nba finals only eight million people tuned in to watch game two Opposite of that, HBO broadcast to 30 million homes in the United States. 11.9 million people tuned in to watch the series finale of The Sopranos. So 
Almost half of the HBO audience watched the finale of The Sopranos, and only 8 million out of 125 million watched Game 2. And this has been a historically low uh, NBA Finals. We're going to talk about that with Michael Heastan. But, you know, Bobby, let me bring you in here to talk about the uh, series finale of The Sopranos. Nathan's plugging his ears here. Uh, give me quickly your thoughts. I thought it turned out completely different than what I thought it would. And I think for one reason, one reason only. It's coming to the big screen. That's the only reason why I think that. Well, David Chase, the director of The Sopranos, vehemently denied that it is coming to the big screen. And I'll just say this. People, it's a TV show. I have never heard more passion about the ending of a TV show than I heard this week. Some people feeling like they were robbed. They didn't like the ending. They wanted more closure. All I can say is this. It's a TV show. I actually thought, you know, I expected that David Chase was going to do something that none of us expected, and he did. I won't say any more because I don't want to ruin it for Nathan and for the people who haven't seen the finale. Our final headline of the week, the 107th edition of the U.S. Open is taking place this weekend at Oakmont Country Club in Pennsylvania. This might not be a very pretty tournament to watch. Uh, the winning score is expected to possibly be over par. There's a new Nike golf spot breaking with Tiger Woods. Go on to sportsbusinessradio.com. I've got that posted if you want to check out the site. Um, and then, boy, as is always the case, Nathan, the U.S. Open is big economically for the city that hosts the event. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's back in Pittsburgh. My brother's actually back there working the event, and he has said the exact same thing. It's just huge. You just don't realize how big these events are and how big they are throughout the city, even golf, which we don't normally think of it that way, and how much money and people come to watch the sport. $60 million is how much the U.S. Open is supposed to impact Pittsburgh and the businesses there this weekend. By comparison, Oakmont also hosted the Open back in 1994. It was only a $23 million economic impact. Nathan, if you want to buy a tent out at the U.S. Open, how much is that going to cost That's $195,000 per week for a 40 by 40 tent along the 18th fairway. I mean, that's, where do you get that kind of money? That's bigger than a box seat for the season at the Blazers. Well, I think that's a better deal than this. If you just want a table in the tent for the week, that costs you thirty five grand. i would rather have the whole tent for one ninety five than just a table for ten for $35,000. I'd crazy. rather be playing in it. Well, yeah, you and me both, buddy. So anyways, Michael Heastan from USA Today, he's the sports TV columnist. As I said in our opening segment, we are not watching sports on TV anymore, whether it's the World Series, the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals. Every year, the ratings are getting worse and worse. We're going to discuss that next with Michael Heastan. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday, <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Michael Heastand. He's USA Today sports TV columnist. You can read him online at usatoday.com. He's joined us before. Michael, thanks for making time for us this week. You're very welcome. So, Michael, gosh, in the last year or so, maybe this is just me, but Major League Baseball, all-time low World Series ratings. We're looking at all-time low NBA Finals ratings. We had all-time low NHL Stanley Cup ratings. What is going on with the decrease of TV ratings uh, for sports on TV? Well, it's definitely a trend because when we set these all-time lows, they're generally just below an all-time low set a year or two ago. And and the odd thing is that uh, the, the obvious thing that's happened is way more coverage of regular season games, whether it's regular season college basketball, NBA, MLB, golf, you name it, because of specialized channels, because more people have satellite and digital cable and have access to more games. So you would think if more total eyeballs are riveted in a given sport, following their own people following their own favorite teams, that it would then kind of come together in the postseason. Right. That regular season ratings wherever could be down because there are more choices. But in fact, sort of the opposite is happening, which I think is kind of confounding what people expected. And I think what may be happening is people just say, look, there's so many choices all the time as seasons bleed into each other that if the NCAA Final Four isn't compelling or if the World Series isn't compelling, um, you know, whatever it might be, the NBA Finals, well, let's just move on to the many choices of the next season already in progress. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm watching these NBA Finals. It's not a compelling series at all. Last night uh, or earlier this week, we saw, you know, one of the lowest scoring games in the history of the NBA Finals. I think it was 75 to 72. That's not exciting basketball. It really seems to me, once the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns were out of the NBA playoffs, people just turned off their TV sets. That's right. I think there used to be more of a sense that it was important whoever won the NBA Finals whether the games were good or bad. Now I think it's it's sort of like, well, people assume San Antonio was a heavy favorite. Games certainly did nothing to dispute that idea. And, you know, they're thinking, why should I be watching a bad game when I can flick over, oh, look, here's a, a good baseball game over here, or here's a, you know, any number of things. And, you know, it's just all kind of a commodity. How entertaining is this game? So if you're the NBA, you know, one of the things they did that I thought was not very bright was putting, I think it was game two, up against the series finale of the Sopranos. The Sopranos got, I guess, about 3.3 million more viewers than game two of the NBA Finals, which is really remarkable given that I think 30 million people in the entire United States have access to HBO. But if you look at their scheduling, do they need to go back to day games? 
they're all in prime time right now. What can the NBA do to attract interest in their marquee event again? Well, you know, it's funny about the Sopranos because that was a bit of an anomaly because you're absolutely right. At the time that they were going head-to-head on Sunday night, 83 million households got ABC that didn't get the Sopranos, and yet the Sopranos ended up with 3 million more viewers. The theory is Sunday night is the most watched night in TV, and the other theory is by the time you get past Memorial Day, first few days in June, all the you know finales of Desperate Housewives and stuff are over. So the thing that the NBA used to be seen as, as having going for it was that its big games were in June, where you know the finales of, of American Idol and all the rest are over. Right. So you know they you know they're in a good position in June because people haven't turned totally yet into the summer mode of of less TV watching, but they're not facing anything like they would if they were you know the finals were in late May. Right. What the NBA can do. Um, you know, it's it's funny because on the East Coast, there's endless kvetching, whatever it is, World Series or anything in prime time, that, you know, it runs uh, too late, and, of course, kids are missing it, et cetera, although you could argue it might be good for the NBA that kids miss it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, whatever the sport, NBA Finals, World Series, whatever, you know, BCS games, um, the ratings improve as the night goes along for various reasons. If you're in the East Coast, maybe you're out doing something, working late, whatever, get home, see the games on. If you're on the West Coast, you know, you're home, get home from your office, or you've got the kids squared away. And so, you know, it would get a worse rating during the day. Um, There's just more people watching um, in prime time. My guest is Michael Heastand. He's USA Today's sports TV columnist. You can read him online at usatoday.com. Michael, let's talk about the NHL. It seems like every time I have you on this show, we talk about the poor TV ratings for the NHL. But this year, man, I mean, when you're talking about four or 500,000 people in the entire United States watching your games during your marquee series, which is the Stanley Cup, I think that league is in a lot of trouble on TV. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, usually niche sports, obviously run by devotees to that sport, will say, if only the world could sample the thing I love, they would come to love it too. Right. It's been the soccer diehard since I was a kid playing soccer. I said, if only. Well, in the case of the NHL, and people said that about arena football and LPGA and you name it, in the case of, of uh, the NHL, they've had that test. Fox picked it up in the early 90s, did all kinds of promotion gimmicks like the glowing puck, played with different time slots, on and on and on. Ratings actually went down. They gave up. ABC or Disney picked it up, said this is great tonnage for ESPN2. ESPN, they gave it all kinds of promotion. In theory, you could argue they gave it more attention on SportsCenter, et cetera. Ratings went down. They gave up on it. And keep in mind, they're playing, you know, not the playoffs, but the regular season at times like February or March where there's heavy TV viewing and we're still getting no viewers. And then then they had a season wiped out. ESPN wasn't going to pay anything. NBC wasn't going to pay anything. But they chose to put it on Versus, which, you know, a lot of people don't get significantly, about 30 million fewer people than ESPN. 
and predictably the ratings have been really horrible. And the fact of the matter is, in the last decade, they've gone through their game plan, which was get NHL players in the Olympics and that sort of platform, get uh, NHL teams in new markets like North Carolina, little outposts here and there to build interest. And this is one sport where you can say it's had its shot, it's been sampled, and it's like the old uh, sort of marketing thing about the, the guy who's the head of a dog food company saying we have the best advertising, the best packaging, the best distribution, and our sales are going down, and a guy says dogs won't eat it. Yeah. I mean, if you... People just don't want it. I'm not knocking the sport. Sure. I'm not saying it's good or bad. The American public just doesn't want to watch it. So if you're Gary Bettman, and obviously you're trying to grow your sport in North America, where most of your teams are based, what do you do now? You say uh, international growth is important. It's sort of a variation of the NBA. And, and there is a bit of truth to it. For instance, the NBA's ratings have been either bad or very bad for a few years. I actually think my own little theory is it's a bit like there's an analogy to tennis. In the early 80s, it just happens there's a kind of a confluence of big stars, McEnroe, Connors, Borg, you know, Gerolitis, Chris Everett, Navratilova. And so Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, et cetera, got terrific ratings. But that was just an anomaly. And for years, people said, what's wrong with tennis? And this and that. And, it, and, you know, for 20 years, it's just sort of settled back into a steady, much lower rating. In the 90s, you had first the push from Larry Bird and, and obviously Magic Johnson. Then you got Jordan and then, you know, Charles Barkley and even people like Isaiah Thomas and uh, Dennis Rodman and the rest created these huge ratings. And now they've fallen back for, gosh, seven or eight years now, whatever it's been to sort of consistently low, and, and that's just um, how it'll be. It's like when Tiger Woods some days re- retires, the golf ratings aren't going to be as good, just like when he skips a tournament, or, you know, boxing isn't what it was when it had Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. So they're just at that level, and what they say is they're selling TV packages or TV rights of some kind to countries all over the world, who are now getting uh, players in the NBA, so there's a bit more interest. It doesn't add up to a lot of money, but there's a lot of countries. Um, also, the Internet allows them to sell merchandise um, in countries where it would be hard to really set up a big retail operation. And they say we're, we're positioning ourselves for what's arguably the world's second most popular sport as the place for the world. And, you know, I think that they think that there's nothing that can be done domestically. But growth, and Stern has said, you know, you pick a date 10 years from now, whatever, half the revenues from the NBA could come from overseas. Hmm. So let me ask you this, Michael. I've got a theory on this, and I know several other people have the same theory. We are becoming more and more a society as consumers that want snacks instead of meals. In other words, we've become accustomed to on-demand. We want podcasts. We want TiVo. We want to watch things when we can watch them, and we may not want to watch three or four hours of something. We we may only want 10 minutes of something. Do you think that we as consumers are drastically changing our habits to the point where the way that media has been offered to us in the past may not work anymore? Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because I used to be a business reporter, and the analogy to that was in the 80s when the microwave came in. Okay. And all of a sudden it became grazing. 
I'm going to heat up a cup of coffee instead of making a pot of coffee. You know, the kids want a snack now, let them heat up a burrito, on and on and on. And it became a matter of, Hmm. you know, a minute of heating up time for people to snack at different times rather than when's dinner done and everyone's sitting down together. And, of course, when you have, uh, you know, with digital uh, cable coming in and satellite, it gives you a lot more choices. Things online... And you just feel like, and, and this is the problem that's really hitting the Olympics, and that is the, the premise of, the, of Olympic TV is you make it appointment TV. You don't follow these sports. You don't maybe even know the rules of some of these sports. You don't know who these people are. Americans aren't necessarily going to win, but you have to watch because the Olympics. And Olympic ratings have generally, more than other sports, not been based so much on how many people watch, but how many hours they sit watching. Right, because it's it's measured how many people are watching in any given fifteen minutes. Right. So if you watch four hours, you're a very valuable viewer. And the question is, you know, and and NBC when they got a bunch of Olympics, you know, coming down the road, it was seen as a big coup ten years ago or so. But um, do people really want to sit there for five hours and watch a mishmash of stuff presented to them? until, you know, at, at 10.32, the, the big event comes on, which you already know what happened in anyway. Right. Because it's taped. And, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, you say to yourself, why am I watching a boring game or a blowout or a sloppy game, you know, when there's so many other options? Sure. Michael, we've got time for one last question. I wish we had more time. Keith Olbermann. MSNBC, he's joining Sunday Night Football on NBC. I don't see Oberman and Costas meshing together very well. Give me your quick take, if you would. Well, you know, that show was boring last year, and, and it's going right into the teeth of Sunday Night Prime programming, and it was supposed to be seen as this great show that could sum up the afternoon and deliver a big audience to the Sunday Night game. I think at this point they're just, like, throwing stuff in to keep it lively. And, you know, Oberyn is already kind of a, an established NBC sub-brand. So I think, I think they're saying, you know what, we'll worry about how it sort of meshes later. But right now we want someone to even notice we're doing this show. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it works. Michael, I really appreciate you taking the time. Let's catch up again soon. Good, you're very welcome. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense 
on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. BDA Sports is the agency for such notable NBA stars as Steve Nash, Yao Ming, Carmelo Anthony, and now Greg Oden. More importantly with Bill, he's an alum of Loyola Marymount University, just like me. Bill, thanks for joining me. Go Lions. Go Lions, baby. Hey, let's start off by talking about Greg Oden. Oden really seems destined for superstardom in the NBA. What's the marketing potential for Greg Oden now that we know he's going to be playing in the Pacific Northwest or either in Portland or Seattle? Well, you know, I, I really think that for him, he's one of those really rare, unusual guys that comes along that, that has almost unlimited potential. Um, you know, we heard that big men are difficult to market before Yao came over to the States, and uh, that did not turn out to be true. And I, I think the same is going to be true for Greg, that people, you know, are going to not think about him because of his size. They're going to think about him because of his talent his dedication to the sport, and his character. The guy is really, really an exceptional young man that, uh, you know, you meet him, and and within five minutes uh, you just fall in love with the guy. Yeah, you know, I've got to tell you, one of the things that I really like about him is this blog that he's doing. And and a a lot of people didn't think it was really him, and then uh, I guess the guy who works for you, his name's escaping me, your PR person said, yes, it's really him. The thing that amazes me is He's really kind of letting people see his soul. One of the criticisms I have of athletes is they put a big wall up. They don't let people in. Right off the bat, you know, he's talking about the tough times of leaving Ohio State and the college life for the pro life. But I think it's great. Well, you know, first of all, thanks for uh, for plugging our blog on yardbarker.com because uh, it, 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 we're, we're fired up about it. And, and yes, you're right. Um, we get calls all the time here on the blog. It's amazing how much fire it's caught, to be honest with you. We haven't promoted it or anything. We just sort of put it up. We said to Greg, hey, look, you know, we recommend that you get very involved in the digital world, and in order to connect in a more authentic way with your most diehard fans, the people that are going to support you through thick and thin, uh, we recommend a blog. In the old days, we used to do it with a website, but there's just, you know, websites are pretty static. So a blog allows a guy to go on there on a very regular basis and have a lot of, you know, very uh, personal dialogue with the people that are, are you know, his most uh, either loyal supporters or, or, or most uh, vocal, you know, uh, critics. So he's gotten into it, and we said, let's just give it a try for a little bit. And the next thing you know, the blog world uh, started to talk about it, and it caught fire, and it, the traffic that we're getting is ridiculous, way beyond our expectations. And Greg just goes on there. You know, we're trying to get him to go three or four nights a week just so people can really get to know him because, again, he's one of these guys we think the more you get to know him, the more interested in him you'll be. Yeah, if you want to go to his blog, uh, like you said, yardbarker.com, or you can go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We've linked to it there. You know, he's even, he was up at 2.30 in the morning and responding to people. That's the thing that really amazed me. It's one thing for him to write his thoughts, but for him to respond to people and their comments, that blew me away. Well, one of the first... uh, comments that he responded to i guess someone had read somewhere that he you know what kind of entertainment he likes and i think he said he one of his favorite shows was two and a half men and <laughs> some blogger read that and it, well, i don't even think he posted it on his blog he posted it somewhere else um but greg found it and he he called the guy out. he's like who are you to criticize my taste you know have you ever watched that show you watch that show once and don't laugh through it and then you <laughs> criticize me and the guy was totally embarrassed. He's, I'm sorry, Mr. Odin, I didn't mean to. It wasn't nice of me. You're right, it is a funny show. Now I'm your biggest fan. 
That's so, funny. Uh, those kinds of comments, that interactive dialogue, it's it's what people you know, it's what people see uh, and and realize that it's real. You know, that it's just him. And and the the thing about NBA players, you know this, Brian, that you know these guys, they travel a lot. They're up late at night. They get home after a game. They're kind of tired. There's no one to talk to. Blog is a perfect place for them to uh, release some of that that thought. Let's talk about some of Greg's deals. Uh, he's already got a deal with Tops, I understand. And then I'm sure you're working on other deals. I don't know if you can discuss any of those, but I know that you and uh, Greg, because I'm here in Portland, Oregon, uh, he was in town to visit Nike. Uh, when might we see a shoe deal? That's always one of the, the big deals for any athlete when they turn pro. You know, again, this is another thing that's incredible about Greg. He is not rushing us into anything. You know, a lot of young guys in his position put a lot of pressure on their agents to sign a deal right away, get it done, get it done. And with Greg, he's not saying that. He's saying, you know, I want to do a right deal. I want to do a deal that I, I feel proud of, that I, I'm not going to regret, you know, 10 minutes after I sign it. So let's take our time and really have an open dialogue with these guys. We had a great trip with Nike. They rolled out the red carpet. We pulled up to the campus, and there were these, you know, 30-foot posters of Greg everywhere we looked, and everybody was wearing, you know, Ohio State T-shirts and and it was a great experience, and Nike proved to us, you know, why they're as great as they are. Very emotional, you know, moving advertising they showed us, took us through the history of Nike, showed us the museum. And then when it comes time to talk, uh, we sit down, and, and they're, you know, we're not completely on the same page yet in terms of Greg's value, what he brings to the table. I think Nike really would like to have him part of their family. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, we wouldn't mind being there. Uh, they're a great choice, but at the same time, we're not going to rush into anything. We're going to we're going to let it play out. We think the more people know Greg, the 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 more they're going to realize how much upside he has, both as a player and as a person. My guest is Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. Let's talk about some of your other clients. You know, you've done unbelievable things. You specifically with Yao Ming. I mean, just like we just talked, big men notoriously don't sell product. But I love the commercials I see with Yao, Yao and Mini Me, and I mean it, it, the personality of Yao is uh, really been brought out in these spots. You know, yeah, thanks, Brian, and and uh, ultimately it, that it goes down to Yao. You know, there's a history in sports marketing, as you know, of trying to take a great player and give him a personality when he doesn't have one, and whether you put him with a little puppet or you put him with a stand-up comedian, you know, you can't fake a guy who doesn't have a personality. Right. And and with Yao. I, we got. We, it was a little bit of luck. I mean, certainly there was. We were very selective. There were a lot of ads that we turned down in the beginning. That I'm really glad we turned down. Uh, but those two ads, is the Apple ad with Mini Me and the Visa ad, where it's Yo Yao Yo Yao. Uh, in both of those, he's off the court. He's not in uniform. Um, a lot of close-ups. A lot of Yao smiling. A lot of Yao's sense of humor. And people almost instantly, within a month of his arrival in the U.S., a few months. Um, people got to know him as a person. They stopped saying he's the tall Chinese guy. Right. They started to refer to him as funny guy, charming guy, the guy with mini-me, lots of different things. And, and Yo Yao became like, where's the beef? It's still to this day, it hasn't run for years, and still to this day people shouted at him. So, you know, I, I've got a take on this, Brian, if you're interested, is that, you know, I think what makes players marketable is not how big they are or where they come from or what language they speak. You know, it's a combination of, of on-the-court talent, on-the-court success, off-the-court charisma, and off-the-court integrity. When you have those four components, you can become a marketing icon no matter where you're from or what sport you play. Now, that's a great recipe. Let me ask you this. The 2008 Olympics, they're in Beijing. Obviously, Yao is from China. Any special plans marketing-wise for Yao as the Olympics approach? 
Well, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve. You know, with, as with all of our players, uh, our, our marketing strategy always starts off the court. It doesn't start with trying to pitch sponsors. It starts with working in the community and working with PR to make sure people know the kind of person we're dealing with. And in Yao's case, he does a lot of charity work. Um, the Special Olympics, which he's a, a world ambassador for, uh, Special Olympics is holding their world games in 2007 this summer in Shanghai, and Yao will be a face of that. Uh, and, you know, we're going to continue to send the message to people that Yao wants to make a difference, that he wants to shed light on issues that he thinks are important and, uh, and make a difference. So you do those kinds of activities, and all of a sudden it makes it a lot easier for a sponsor to connect with you because they know that you're authentic and they know that you stand for something beyond just putting a ball in a hoop. Speaking of authentic and being socially responsible, he's currently my favorite athlete on the planet. If I was going to pay to watch one guy perform, it's this guy, Steve Nash. I think he's the most unassuming two-time MVP in the history of sports. I know one of your struggles has been he doesn't want to do endorsement deals. I'm sure you have a lot of endorsement deals that you turn down for him. Talk about the deals that you do for him, but also I guess he's got clauses in his contracts that say, I want you to be a socially responsible partner of mine on the deal. You've done your homework. I mean, I, I, call, I call Steve the reluctant icon. Yeah, He's the guy that hates being famous, you know. But, you know, he loves living his life. I mean, he, he just is totally unaffected by his success. He has this, you know, this childlike almost quality, this, this joy of life and this passionate, uh, you know, altruistic vision of the way things ought to be uh, that he, he's probably been more true to it because of his success, you know. And, and he, he doesn't want to be famous. He doesn't want to have his name on, on you know, every billboard. Um, but we've been able to, you know, define partnerships that, that he feels comfortable about. So whether they're environmentally friendly companies, companies that are giving back to the system, companies that are uh, making uh, donations, significant contributions to his foundation, companies that are Canadian. Clearly you know, Canadian. What's that? Clearly Canadian. Clearly Canadian, a perfect fit, right? Yep. Um, and, and, and it really has been great, and Clearly Canadian is – you know, is, is a company that uh, is sort of trying to revive the brand. It's a time when that category is getting hot. You know, vitamin water sold for tons of money. Sure. And uh, people are moving away from sodas and into, you know, alternate beverages. So, so he likes that. You know, it makes much more sense for Steve to be selling clearly Canadian flavored waters than it does for him to be selling Coca-Cola. That's just not his thing. He wouldn't do it. But clearly Canadian agreed to put him on bottles, to encourage recycling, and to, uh, to build two water projects per year in third-world countries that don't have water. So right now there's uh, two villages in Guatemala and two villages in Nicaragua that have clean drinking water because Steve insisted on it. God, that's amazing. What's the biggest deal that you've ever turned down for him? Maybe oh. not monetarily, but I'm sure someone wanted to do a huge campaign with him, and he just said, nah, I don't want it. You know, I'll tell you, I don't want to name the brand, but I, 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 there, there is a very high-profile automobile company that wanted to pay him a lot of money to be in ads to sell SUVs. Huh. And they were beautiful commercials, and those commercials are running right now with another athlete. Uh, very nice commercials, good message, you know, cool imaging, well shot. Steve likes film, and he you know, knew he was going to be a, a top-quality director. But he's a huge environmentalist, and he just... He got on the phone with the executives of the company and said, I really appreciate your interest, but I just don't want to convince consumers to buy SUVs. I just can't live with myself. And In fact, shortly after that, he went and sold his Mercedes and bought himself a Lexus Hybrid. 
But, um, you know, they said to him, you know what, we've never had anybody turn down a deal like this before, and we'll let you know that we're working on hybrids, and as soon as we've got our hybrid to come to market, you're going to be our spokesperson. That's very cool. We've only got a few minutes left. Carmelo Anthony, another one of your your big stars that you represent. Uh, He works with the Jordan brand. He's got some other big deals. You know, Carmelo came in with Dwayne Wade and with LeBron. Uh, where do you, what's his future like? You know, I know he had the fight last year in New York and took a little bit of a hit for that, but, you know, he's got a great smile. He's a terrific player. What's on the docket for him moving forward? You know, Carmelo has been a very interesting ride. As, as you know, each of these guys is so unique and different, and it's, I mean, we're blessed to work with four guys at that level. We've got lots of other, other clients throughout the league that are great, too. Carmelo has been the roller coaster, and we stay on the roller coaster because we, we love the kid. He's a great kid. You know, he's made some mistakes. He'll probably be the first one to admit to you that he's, he's gotten in his own way several times, and he's cost himself a lot of money. We've, we had His stock was never higher than it was right before that punch got thrown. Right. And we had deals on the table that were big-time deals to get him in that stratosphere where he wants to be. Car- Carmelo enjoys the fame, and he, he wants to be famous because he sees it as a vehicle, first of all, to have fun, but also he sees it as a vehicle to shed light on the inner city. He, he really wants people to open their eyes in this country what's going on in inner city America, and he knows he can do it. He can be a guy, I hate to say this, but almost Ali-esque in his ability to bridge you know, cultural gaps. Honestly, I don't think LeBron and Dwayne Wade play to the urban community the way that Carmelo does. And at the same time, Carmelo has been at times very embraced by white corporate America. So he was in a unique, opportunity, in a unique position, and the, the punch happened, and, and the stuff went up in smoke. The, the deals went up in smoke. We were able to save some of them, but, you know, Carmelo knows full well he's taken responsibility for it. And for some reason, people give him chances, second and third chances, over and over again. I think it's because he makes deposits into that trust bank with the work he does in the community. I think people see that smile, and they see his heart, and they see what he did at Syracuse, and they love him, and they want to root for him. And I think, you know, I'm not going to give up on him. I believe in him. I I know how hard he works, and uh, I think a lot of the mistakes he's been, you know, he's made have been just, you know, small errors in judgment that, that other people in his position would also make. And, and I think as he matures, as he grows into his role as a father, I fully believe in him. I think the best is yet to come for him. I think it's in, in a way unfortunate that LeBron and Dwayne Wade both made it to the finals before him because he's always going to be measured against them. But Carmelo's an extraordinary talent, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a long time before we ever give up on him. Well, Bill, that's all the time we have. Guest appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Again, Bill, great to catch up with you, and uh, let's stay in better touch. I hope we see you in uh, Portland real soon, Brian. Thanks uh, for the I time. hope you do, too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James' highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7000. 
888-789-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and NBA jersey sales for the past season are out. Lakers guard Kobe Bryant had the most popular jersey in the NBA this season based on sales at the NBA Store in New York and the NBAstore.com. Bryant changed his jersey number from number 8 to 24 before the start of the season. He reclaimed the lead from Heat guard Dwayne Wade, who has held the top spot since May of 2005 and finished second this year. The Lakers, meanwhile, kept their position atop the NBA's most popular team merchandise list for the fifth consecutive season. Nathan, who else is on the list uh, after Kobe and Dwayne Wade? Well, right after Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, no surprise there. Allen Iverson and Steve Nash following after them. You know, I this is what happens when, when a key player like Kobe Bryant changes. We just talked about Dale Earnhardt. He might be changing from 8 right. to 5. So watch the same thing. If he changes, the memorabilia will go through the roof. Yeah, Allen Iverson in a Nuggets uniform. He had been with the Sixers for all those years. So he goes out. Everyone goes out and gets a new Allen Iverson uniform. Uh, Team-wise, the Lakers were number one, the Miami Heat number two, the Knicks number three, the Bulls number four, and the Cavaliers number five. So no huge surprises there, do you think? No, not really. I mean, the Bulls, I mean, they had a great season this season. Bulls jerseys are up for the first time in how many years, but good for them. So I want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I'm a father myself. I want to thank my wife, Catherine, for making me a father and my little girl, Sophia, for uh, making me a father. And you know, it's just, it's great to be a dad. I know it's a special day for a lot of people. Uh, I'll be watching the U.S. Open and uh, watching that as it comes down the home stretch. I also put the old spot from uh, last year. Nike Golf did a really cool spot with Tiger Woods and his a late tearjerker. It really is a, a spot with Tiger Woods and his late father Earl. But uh, it's a fun day for fathers like me, and uh, I wish everyone a, a happy Father's Day out there. I'll be playing golf with my future father-in-law and certainly calling my my dad. So lots of thank yous on this week's show. Michael Heastan and Bill Sanders, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zang are our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Check out our new site, sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week, and again, happy Father's Day. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.